0: You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Well, praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to the book of Joel tonight. And we're going to start at Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And uh, well, there's going to be a lot of scripture tonight that we're going to share with you over these next few moments. And so, again, if you like to use the Version Bible app, you can go ahead and pull that up, and you can see under live events all of my messages from this week, including Sunday morning and night and last night, and then again tonight, those notes are going to be available for you until I think about 9 o'clock this coming Saturday night so you can go home and chew on them and make sure I'm not a heretic or anything like that. But um, uh, th- to dive into God's Word, to be able to study, to show yourselves approved, a workman that can rightly divide, the word of truth, not a bunch of spiritual babies that need spoon fed at church, right? But it's we as we grow as disciples in the Lord that we become mature in the Lord. That we 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 like the milk; it tastes good sometimes. But we dive into the meat because that's what's really filling. Amen. And, and so, uh, listen, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. You can see tonight the title of our message is "End Time Triggers." end time triggers i'm going to be sharing a lot of different things tonight uh about where i see uh the current events as they fall in line with the word of god it's just shocking to me uh it shouldn't be but it just is amazing to me how the bible it just keeps getting it right over and over. books that were written thousands of years ago how they so accurately describe the geopolitical structure of our world right now is mind-boggling to me in detail how, how things have, have fallen into place so i'm excited to share with you this this uh a word from the Lord tonight, and uh, I want to make sure to invite you out again tomorrow night. Right back here at seven o'clock. It's the last time we're scheduled to be with you this week. Uh, but uh, listen, by no means are we winding anything down. I am not closing shop. We're, we're not kind of you know bringing it to a point and saying you know Amen, and, and we go, I go my way, you go your way. Uh, listen, that's not the way it works. We're going to go for broke tomorrow night because you're going to see tonight that this message that I have for you. I want it to be give us proper perspective. We can have all the knowledge about Jesus coming back and have an idea, uh, you know, that He's coming soon and all that. But unless we live with that perspective, unless we live and look through every situation with those lenses of the imminent return of Christ, then really, you know, we're just a bunch of lazy Christians, you know, sitting in comfortable chairs in a wonderful church in Uniontown on Morgantown Road, you know. Uh, but if we understand that each and every moment we have could be our last. That that with this our life is but a vapor, that, that we're not promised tomorrow, and that we need to make sure every day that we're living and making it to the fullest of our ability. Listen, we're going to go for broke tomorrow night. So uh, I want you to gather around here tomorrow night. I'm, I'm believing God uh, to, just to perform miracles in our midst one more time. Uh, we're going to see God perform signs and wonders. Many of you have already heard some testimonies of what's happened this week. I'm believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen in the history of faith. At county it's going to happen right here tomorrow night so wouldn't it be just like god to go ahead and surprise us tonight with that blessing so uh, here we are in joel chapter 2 uh, joel chapter 2 tonight and before we go there let me kind of give you a, a preface uh, of some ideas of uh, i want us to think about as we move forward first of all is this anybody can be an expert on something that hasn't yet happened Do <laughs> you hear me Everybody could be an expert on something that hasn't happened yet. So, uh, listen, there's a lot of different people. You know, we're selling books and doing this and that and uh, all that. Listen, we got to look at God's Word tonight. I'm going to do my best to give you God's Word and God's Word only. When there's times that I'm going to give you my opinion on how I feel things are going to turn out, I'll make sure I'll let you know that uh, as well. But, listen anybody, can be, uh, listen, anybody can be an expert on something that hasn't yet happened because who's going to argue with them? You know? And only Jesus, or let me correct myself, only God the Father knows when He's going to tap His Son and say, go get Him. Jesus even said he didn't even know the day or the hour that his father is going to tell him to come and, and get us back to take him to, his, to himself. So listen, and uh, nobody knows the day or the hour. Uh, anybody can be an expert here tonight, but as we look here in Joel chapter 2 and, the, and a little bit into Joel chapter 3, I, I want to give you a couple uh, uh, prefaces that we need to go off of this morning so, or this evening. First of all, I want you to understand something. I believe the nation of Israel is God's prophetic super sign. Beyond a shadow of a doubt in my mind, they are God's people, and the land that God has given them is still theirs because it is God's land, and they are God's people. Amen. So I'm going to amen myself a lot tonight. So uh, look, I, I believe Israel is God's prophetic super son. Now, let me give you a few reasons why I believe that's the way it is. First of all, Israel is the only nation ever created by God himself, the only one ever No other nation did God create in and of himself that nobody else had anything to do with. And you say, what did you tell? Listen, if you were to read Genesis chapter 12, that God looks at Abram, God the Father tells Abram that he needed to leave the land that he was in and go to the land that God was going to give him and that he would make Abram into a great nation and that those who blessed him would be blessed and those who cursed him would be cursed. So listen, Israel is the only nation ever created by God himself. Second of all is this. Israel is the only nation on the face of the earth that has an everlasting covenant with God it's not the United States it's not Great Britain it's not Australia it's not Russia or China or Japan or anybody else that thinks there's some world superpower listen to me Israel is the only nation ever created on earth that has an everlasting covenant with God and you could read that in Genesis chapter 17 again where God uh, changed the name from Abram to Abraham that he would be the father of many and that he his son seed would multiply and that he would, uh, they would be like his descendants would be as the sand of the earth would be uncountable and and that those who blessed him would be blessed and those who cursed him would be cursed. Ladies and gentlemen, that everlasting covenant is still true and remains real here today and that's why I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt in my mind, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, a liberal or a conservative, a green party, blue party, white party, Uh, listen, it doesn't matter what you are, I got news for you those who bless Israel will be blessed those who curse Israel will be cursed the demise of our nation will come when we turn our backs on the power of Israel God's holy people it's the way it works so uh, listen I, I want you to understand that tonight Israel is an everlasting covenant with God thirdly is this I believe Israel has blessed the world more than anybody else ever in history No other nation has given to the world what Israel has given to the world. Let me explain. Give you three examples. The first person that the first thing that they gave was the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Pretty good start. Come on now. Jesus is a Jew. Notice I said is. Not past tense. I said he is. Because the Bible said whenever Jesus died, he was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived of the Holy Spirit and the lineage of David from uh, Joseph and Mary and, and as his parents. And listen to me. Uh, David, he, he, he lived the life of a Jewish person, of an Israelite. He's of the lineage of this, uh, of David and when Jesus died on the cross he died yes as 100% God but he was also 100% man living in full flesh listen to me Jesus the body of Christ was full flesh and it was Jewish flesh and whenever he was put in that tomb it was a Jewish body that was put in that tomb and hear me tonight when God the Father breathed back into that body and that body was glorified hear me today when they went in and they couldn't find that body anymore you know what that tells me that Jewish body became a glorified jewish body which means my savior still is living in a glorified jewish body sitting at the right hand of his father right now in the throne room of god so my savior continues to be a jew so it makes no sense for any christian any bible believing jesus god-fearing person to be an anti semite, to have any type of jewish remorse about us listen to me the nation of israel has given more to the world than anybody else the first thing is jesus pretty good start Second thing is this. All 66 books of this Bible have been penned by Jewish people. Every one of them. Okay, we're up to two pretty good things. I don't know how much, you know. And just to kind of top it all off, when the church was formed and the New Testament church really got to moving, listen to me, 120 believers that were gathered together in the upper room in Jerusalem, guess what, each and every one of them were of Jewish descent. So they gave us Jesus, they gave us the Bible, and they gave us the modern New Testament church. Come on, somebody. I think the nation of Israel has blessed the world more than anybody else ever. Do you agree with me or not? So as we go forward in this, let's remind ourselves that Israel is the center of God's prophetic uh, movement, what the end time triggers of what is going to happen in and around the world. So hopefully I've given you enough time to find Joel chapter 2. It's one of those smaller, uh, one of the minor prophets there towards the end of the New, uh, Old Testament. So there, if you're, if you're there, would you stand to your feet with me tonight? Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 28 tonight. Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 28, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and it says this, And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. And in those days, and at that time in chapter 3, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And there I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people and traded boys for prostitutes, and they sold girls for wine to drink. Let's pray. Father, one more time, would you release the power of your written word into our lives? Lord, may your word become so real to us. Lord, if if we believe in your word, we have to believe that you're coming soon. So God, I pray that an urgency would begin to overwhelm us, a seriousness would fall upon us, and, and the calling and the work that you have for us as the body of Christ, the bride of Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight that there would be something renewed in us. Lord, uh, that we'd be invigorated tonight to step and move forward, to, to stop sitting back, Lord, to, to let apathy to melt away from us and allow the fire of God to burn brightly deep inside of us in Jesus' name. Lord, may we be changed tonight by the power of your word. But God is is, is your servant prayed, Lord. I just don't want to be hearers of the word, but God, I want to be a doer of the word as well tonight. So God, in Jesus' name, may we take your word. Hide it in our hearts so that we don't sin against you. And Lord, may we move forward in the calling you have for us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I declare your word over Uniontown and, and Fayette County. May you continue to build your church here. And may the gates of hell not prevail against it. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Listen, I, I believe tonight as we look at this passage of Scripture in Joel 2 and chapter 3, and we're going to move on in some other Scriptures very quickly here tonight. So I'm going to talk very quickly. You listen very quickly. One of my, one of my side hobbies uh, that I like to do that, that helps take care of the bills from time to time. Uh, listen, it, one of the things I really like to do is I'm an actually I'm an automobile auctioneer. Are you shocked? You know? I enjoy it. I uh, uh, very good friends of ours um, uh, own a couple auto auctions in West Virginia, and so uh, when I'm home and it works with my schedule, uh, I go and I'll, I'll help him sell some cars. That I think just this past Monday they ran something like 1,200 cars, and and uh, there's six lanes that run simultaneously. And then the other one he owns is in southern West Virginia, and they have eight lanes that run simultaneously, and it, it's a lot of fun. And so I've learned how to talk pretty quickly, and I can multitask. I can talk to the buyer, or I can talk to the seller that's telling me how much he needs, and talk to the the buyer all at the same time, and look at the car, and I mean, listen, so I enjoy, I can talk, you need to listen quickly is what I'm trying to tell you, all right? I get a little hyper. Listen, Joel, uh, chapter 2 and verse 3, uh, I believe there are four mirror images that I see here very quickly tonight. I, I see four mirror images of what the prophet Joel was speaking about in Joel chapter 2 and 3, is, is even to modern day events right here and right now. Uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon all people. Uh, listen, it is crazy. All around the world, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. It doesn't matter uh, what gender, what race, uh, what, the ethnicity, uh, even the economic or social status, the Holy Spirit of God is being poured out in these days like never before. I got news for you. There has not been a greater day to be alive and follow the moving of the Holy Spirit than what there is right now. The church of Jesus, listen, the media and and sometimes different things they want to tell you uh, that the church is bloodied and bruised and battered. I got news for you. If Jesus comes back right now, he's coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle, that has been washed by the blood of the lamb and we are a victorious church tonight. The church is growing. It is moving. More people are being saved right now for the cause of Christ than ever in history. So never let some demonic news anchor or anybody else tell you, hear me tonight, that the church is on the decline. Jesus is always on the rise. Come on, somebody. And he's on the rise here in Uniontown. 2016 isn't just going to be the greatest year that you've had spiritually. I got a news for you. you. You got a baptismal tank somewhere, Pastor Jason? It's... Listen, your water bill is going to be higher this year than what you've ever had. That sucker is going to be wetter than it's ever been in history in Jesus' name. It's a great day to be alive. First of all, listen, I believe that the rebirth of Israel in 1948 after World War II Hitler's horrible Holocaust happened and the nations of the world came together and and, and they voted and and was able to make Israel a statehood again and was recognized as a state and and the Jewish people that were scattered all over the world came back together and they they now, obviously we know that they have their modern state of Israel. I believe according to Joel chapter 3 verse 1 it says, in those days and at that time and I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. me." I believe that was one of the end time triggers that is happening right now. I believe that's the first mirror that i see out of joel chapter 2 the second is this in joel chapter 3 verse 2 it says i will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of jehoshaphat there i will put them in trial for what they did to my inheritance my people israel watch this because they scattered my people among the nations and they divided up my land hear me tonight I believe that as we continue to force Israel to give up pieces of their land to some Palestinian terrorist group, uh, listen to me. It is the division of the God's holy land that He endowed Himself. It was His God-given right because He's God. Come on, somebody. And He gave it. When I say Israel, I'm not only talking about the people, but I'm also talking about the land. It is wild how one of the smallest uh, how one of the smallest countries really. You think about it; it would barely be the size of Massachusetts or Vermont and and, and New Hampshire, listen to me, it's one of the smallest nations of the world. But for some reason, there's more turmoil and conflict over that little piece of land. Why? Because it's God's land and the enemy is continuing to try and push in. And even we as the United States, listen to me, we continue to call this thing called land for peace, where we make Israel give up pieces of their land uh, to the Palestinian groups and some of the other ones that come around. And listen, the the more land we make them give up, it's just a little bit closer that the terrorists. launch missiles and grenades and dig tunnels to go in and rape and steal and kill the children and women of this wonderful nation. Listen to me tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Most uh, Jewish rabbis and some very conservative and orthodox uh, Jewish believers uh, believe this beyond a shadow of a doubt in their mind that it wasn't by accident. Listen to me. That back in 2005, in 2005, the United States forced Israel to give up part of the Gaza Strip, and many many Jewish scholars and orthodox rabbis believe it wasn't by accident that seven days later hurricane katrina hit our southern shore we continue to say there's some kind of two-state solution like we're uh, like we could come in with this political superpower that we think we are and cause peace to fall in the middle east i got news for you folks there's not going to be peace there until we're gone and we'll get there in just a minute Second of all, in Joel chapter 2, verse 31, it says the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, listen, uh, this can be t- so taken out of context and it has been taken way out of context. People have been uh, writing books and selling books and, and I know that I, listen, people need to make a living and, and all that kind of stuff. But hear me, we gotta be careful. We're not prostituting the gospel of Jesus Christ for some piece of cheap money here tonight. Uh, but I, hear me, there is something that God is trying to tell us. The Bible here says that it, uh, that the sun would be turned to blood, or the sun would be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming and the of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, listen, uh, it, that happens from time to time in, in our in our universe and in our little galaxy here, uh, the Earth uh, it, it gets into a lunar eclipse to where the Earth gets in between the sun and the moon, and as the Earth passes in between the sun and the moon, listen, the the rays that come around the Earth through the Earth's atmosphere from the sun hit off the moon and reflect back to us, and when it bends through our atmosphere, it causes the light to reflect off the moon to look red to us, so that's what we call a blood moon. It's not, a, it's not a, an unusual occurrence, but what is an unusual occurrence is four of them happening in a very short period of time. It's called a tetrad of blood moons, a, a tetrad of lunar eclipses that happen together, and you say, well, how often does that happen? Well, here in modern history, it's happened about three times. Let me tell you, the first time it happened in modern history was 1949 and 50, just after Israel had had been renewed as his modern state. In 1948, four blood moons happened. Listen, it was for 2,000 years almost that the Israel people, Israelites and the Jewish people had been scattered around the world after the Roman Empire and under General Titus went in in AD 70 and conquered uh, Jerusalem and tore down the temple and the Jewish people were scattered around the world. And then, of course, we know after Hitler's Holocaust and World War II, they were brought back together in 1948 and then there were four blood moons. The second time it happened was in 1968. Uh, uh, in, in 1967 and 1968. You say, well, what happened in those years? Well, there was something that occurred at that time called the Six-Day War. The Six-Day War happened, listen to me, and uh, God said many times in the Old Testament that he would place his name in Jerusalem. And then during their 2,000 years of exile, even the Jewish people, they would turn towards Jerusalem and pray uh, the three times each day, praying for the restoration of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of their temple. And then in June 7, 1967, the Jordanians launched an attack against the Israelite people in Jerusalem. And and, and, and listen to me tonight, uh, the Israelites countered attack and pushed them back and and caused them to once again, uh, the people of Israel were able to one more time for the first time time in some 2000 years have full control over the holy city of jerusalem or god himself said this is my city this is where i will establish my name and then guess what happened four blood moons the next time it happened was in 2014 and 15. It was in, in, in uh, April of 2014, and then again in October of 2014, first during the Passover, and then during the Feast of Tabernacles, then again during Passover of April 2015, and during the Feast of Tabernacles in September of 2015. Now you say, uh, Tim, what was the major occurrence that, that happened in and around those times? What is going to happen? Listen, I'm, uh, I'm not a historian really all that well. I've tried to study it, kind of look at this, but I do believe there was something major that happened that I believe is an end time trigger that's going to bring us to the end of all times. And I'm just going to kind of give you a preview because I want to talk about it a little bit later. But we have just signed in the last few months, one of the worst nuclear agreements ever to be signed with a nation that is nothing but an Islamic terrorist group called the Islamic State of, of Iran. Uh, listen to me, uh, they, their, they're so their leaders get up and on their television and in their radio and are very bold about it that they fully exist and the sole purpose they exist is to wipe the nation of israel off the face of the earth let me remind you one more time, God will bless those who bless Israel and he will curse those who curse Israel. It is an everlasting covenant with God. And if you get in between him and his people, me, I got news for you. You're going to end up like the sacrifice that happens when they cut a covenant. They literally cut an animal in half and walk through the middle of it and say, may this happen to me if I break this covenant. How's that feel? So you say, well, how often do these four blood moons happen? You know, is this kind of like a normal thing? Well, listen, before it happened after the restoration of Israel, it hadn't happened for 500 years before that. The last time it happened before the, the, the reformation of Israel was in 1492. Anybody know what happened that year? Oh, come on now. Don't tell me Laurel Highlands and Uniontown and Albert Gallatin did that bad a job in history. Come on, 1492 good job, you get an A. Listen, pretty big day, pretty big year. The next time this is going to happen, four blood moons happen together won't be for another 500 years. Listen, this can be made a big deal of and can be taken well out of proportion. What I take it as is that God's trying to tell us something, that we better look up that we better recognize that stuff is changing things are happening in and around this world and, and, and listen to me that, that that there would be worldwide anti-semitism this, this whole passage of scripture simply talks about how the world would be trying to come against the people and the land of Israel listen to me, uh, Zechariah described it this way in Zechariah 12 verse 3 that it shall happen in that day and at that time I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the peoples, what is the prophet trying to tell us well he's saying this, listen to me, nobody is going to want to have to touch what is going on in and around jerusalem it wasn't just a few months ago uh, that the one of the boldest leaders on the face of this earth right now prime minister benjamin netanyahu stood in front of our congress in the washington dc and then again uh, did it uh, in front of the uh, of, of, of of the uh, oh, help me out pastor jason in new york city uh, totally had a brainwash United, yeah, United Nations. I try and get that out of my mind because they do such garbage. But listen, uh, you know, the, the, uh, sorry, I didn't say that. Listen, uh, the, 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 that prime minister came and he stood there begging the world to do something. As we signed a nuclear agreement with their chiefest enemy. That Listen to me, folks. They are within launching distance tonight. Uh, listen, if Iran decides to shoot a nuclear weapon, it's, listen, it can hit right in the middle of Jerusalem anytime right now. And they were begging for somebody to help them. And not, listen, even uh, supposedly the, the, the chiefest ally, the closest ally of the nation of Israel, we are stone cold silent and we're actually taking the side of the terrorists. And we sign a deal with them, even so much so when they've had some of our citizens in captivity for years. They take our Navy sailors as prisoners of war and have them put their hands over top their head and videotape them. And then we apologize for it. Folks, I'm sick and tired of this political correctness where everybody's scared to death to tell the truth. Listen to me tonight. Jesus is not a Republican. He is not a Democrat. Listen to me tonight. He's not even a person. He's not even a member of the United States of America. Do you hear me tonight? He is a Jewish person. Listen, we worship a Jewish God tonight. We serve the Lord and Savior who created the nation of Israel. Those who bless them will be blessed. Those who curse them will be cursed. It's time for us to start blessing Israel. And stop cursing them. We will fall as a nation when we turn our backs on them, period. This is not political, this is biblical. And if you don't like it, read your scripture. I love you enough to tell you, get on board with what God has to say instead of whatever the political powers are telling you to think. Have your own brain, the brain God gave you, and read what he has to tell you. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Folks, we've got to get on board with what the Word of God has to say. It's just the way it is. Say, well, Tim, you know, that's something you can say. You know. Folks, I'm well aware in southwestern Pennsylvania that that is not a popular political stance. I'm well aware that the county I live in and the county that you live in here, we are very blue, but I don't care. I'm not, listen, I don't worship red. I don't worship blue. I worship Jesus. It wasn't just a week ago that I was sitting in the nation of Nicaragua and preaching a message much like this and talking about how we needed to bless Israel. And listen to me, you know who Nicaragua's chiefest ally is? Russia, Iran, and Venezuela. But I preached it with just as much vigor there as I am doing it right here because God's word doesn't change because of the soil that's underneath my feet. It's this grass will wither and the flowers will fade. But the word of God stands forever and forever and forever. My translator looked at me last week. He goes, man, you got guts. So no, I don't got guts. I have the Holy Spirit. And he guides me into all truth. And you know, the pastor of this church, uh, uh, Pastor Oto, he came came to me afterwards. It's a very large church in Nicaragua. uh, You know, and they had about 1,500 people that showed up for church that Sunday morning that I preached this message uh, about us blessing Israel and following in the end time things and everything. And, And he comes to me afterwards. He goes, man, he goes, thank you so much. God's been asking me to tell them. And I've been scared to death that my people would throw me out. No problem, brother. I'm leaving on a plane in a few days. Jesus said it this way. If you want to look in your Bibles quickly at Luke 21. I gave you the Old Testament perspective. Now give, let me give you the New Testament quickly. Luke chapter 21 at verse 17 says this. Luke 21 verse 17 says, Everyone will hate you because of me. Again, this is talking about the worldwide anti-Semitism. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near." Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be for, those, uh, in, for in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against the people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, you need to highlight that. We're going to come back to that in just a second. That is huge. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars. I think we've just talked about that. On the earth, nations will be in anguish, perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People are... Listen... I know that this ends up being a political thing where we want to talk about climate change and this and that and everything else. The facts of the matter remain, our planet is changing one way or the other. Whether you think it's getting hotter or colder or richer or poorer, whatever, our planet is changing. People are perplexed at the raging and the tossing of the seas. Storms are greater now than what they've ever been in history. People will faint from terror in verse 26. I mean, come on. Can this be any more accurate to what's going on right now? People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. This gets good. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Watch this now. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. They, When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things Things have happened heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away be careful of your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap for it will come on all those who live on the face of the earth be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you will be able to stand uh, before the son of man listen to me tonight Jesus begins to talk about how Jerusalem was going to be surrounded, and, and how it would, they, the swords would come in, and they would scatter their people, and it would be a great trying time. That it would be a horrible days for the people in Jerusalem and Israel, even for pregnant mothers and nursing mothers. They, would, they, they, they should have wished they were never born in that time of history. Well, we know, uh, listen again, as, as Hitler's horrible holocaust happened, and there was really persecution persecution of Jewish people throughout the entire history of the world, and as as it gets to Luke chapter 21 verse 24, uh, Jesus said uh, when you see Jerusalem being restored, you will know that this is the end of the times of the Gentiles, the ages of the Gentiles have been fulfilled, listen to me I believe this, Uh, when the Jordanians came in to attack the Israelites in 1967 in Jerusalem and tried to push them back out, listen to me and Israel countered attack and pushed Jordan, all the terrorists all the way back out of the city of Jerusalem it was the first time in some 2000 years that the people of israel had once again had full control of the city of jerusalem i believe beyond a shadow of a doubt in my mind that that was the beginning of the end of the ages as the time of the gentiles the gentiles no longer ruled the holy city of god but once again for the first time in some two thousand years the people of god ruled the holy city of jerusalem it was the end of the gentiles Goes on to say, and Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 21, verse 32. Look this now. In verse 32, he says, Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Now, I want to tell you, remind you one more time. No man knows the day nor the hour, including Jesus Christ himself. Only God the Father knows. When he's going to tell Jesus to come back and get us, But Jesus went on to say that that you can look at a fig tree and when the leaves begin to sprout, you know that spring and summer is near. So it is so when you see these things begin to happen, you know that the season of the return of the son of man is coming very near. He said one generation would see all of these signs happen together at one time. There's been several generations that's seen bits and pieces uh, of these things put back together. Uh, They've seen different things happen. They've seen uh, the different types of blood moons and and, and Jerusalem being restored. Uh, There's been different generations see one or two of these things all put together. But the Bible says, here Jesus said there would be one generation that would see all of them happen. And that would be the generation that would see the Son of Man coming with great power and glory now listen to me tonight this is important if we believe we are that generation that this generation that's alive right now, that saw the restoration of Israel and the city of Jerusalem, and we've seen all these blood moons and all these different signs, and there, there's so many more that I don't have time to co- to go over tonight. It's it's amazing the signs that are here. People fainting from terror, earthquakes and famines and wars and rumors of wars. That that that, 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 that information would be so easily accessible. That is another prophecy of the Bible. I, I mean, there's so many different things going on over and over and over again. Listen to me tonight. Jesus said one generation would see all these signs happen, and they would see the return of the Son of Man. Well, let's think about this for a second. If that generation was alive around 1948, we need to know how long a generation is. Come on. Are you starting to think about this with like me for a minute? Now, I'm not putting a time... Listen, I am not putting a timetable on God, but Jesus said when you see the leaves begin to sprout, you know summer's near. Leaves are sprouting, folks. We are living in the season of the return of the Lord. So how long is a generation? Psalm 90, verse 10 describes it this way. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass. And then I fly away, oh glory. All right, so that's not in there, but that was my translation. Listen hear me tonight. So generations, maybe 70 years or 80 years at best. So look, if we want to think about this, if you want to go from 1948 uh, with 70 years, it's 2018. Or if you want to add to 80 years, it's 2028. If you want to go from 67, it goes to 2037. Or if you want to add 80 years, it's 2047. So uh, look at me, I'm not telling you Jesus has to come back in those years or before that time. But what I am telling you is he said, the generation that saw all these things happen will also see the return of the coming of the son of man. Listen to me, the leaves have spread crowded, the signs are here it's time for us to lift up our heads for our redemption is drawing nigh, we better get serious about the return of Christ suddenly the things of this world begin to grow strangely dim in the light of the glory of the grace of Jesus Christ that we begin to realize we better get busy we better start telling people that he's coming soon, we better be able to live lives that are holy and blameless so when they look at us they get a clear perfect picture of who jesus is we better start to bicker stop bickering about all the little middle things that, that we think matter uh, you know colors of carpet and the color of the wall how hot or how cold how loud or how soft or even you know how the pastor preaches or whoever's singing this and that you know we want to be in control here or there listen to me whenever the ship is going down nobody cares what color the life preserver is they just want one The leaves are sprouting. Summer is coming. The return of Jesus is here. If you don't believe me yet, look in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 of verse 26, Jesus said, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it also will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying, and selling, planting, and rebuilding. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So, Jesus said, so it was in the days of Noah, and so it was in the days of Lot, so it would be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So, what's the same today as it was then? Let me maybe fill you in a little bit. In the days of Noah and Lot... Jesus said here that people were eating and drinking, marrying and being given up in marriage. It was like any other day. People were living life as normal. Even though all the different signs of the destruction of the world were coming around, people didn't care. They just lived their own lives. Sound familiar? There was also a huge rise of the world full of violence and immorality. Sound like now? But the Bible also says, listen to me, in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, there was a righteous remnant. There were a few left that still revered and reverenced the person of God, the, uh, of the holy Godhead. You hear me tonight? They still revered. They, they still uh, reverenced God himself as, as the creator of all things. There was a righteous remnant. Noah and his family, Lot and his family. Here's the other similarity that I see to these days. Listen to me. In the days of Noah and Lot, there was a sudden removal of that righteous remnant. It happened just like that. Just like in a twinkling of an eye, it happened that fast. God told Noah and his family to get in the ark, and I got news for you. Not one drop of rain fell on the bald head of Noah. And God himself shut the door to that ark. The angels told uh, told, told Lot that that God would not judge Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot and his family were completely out of that city and full of safety. Hear me tonight. Until Lot and his family were out of there, listen to me, fire and sulfur did not rain. Not one piece of ash fell on the head of Lot until they were completely out of the city. Listen to me, that city was kept safe. Nothing happened, but as soon as they were taken out, fire and judgment fell upon those cities. So it is with us now. There will come catastrophic world judgment upon this earth. When we are taken out, judgment will come. Now, there's some people even in our denominations and in our churches that believe that we're going to be here for the first half of the tribulation. Because the first half of the tribulation is relatively peaceful because there's a peace agreement. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. I've got a lot to tell you in the next few minutes. How many give me two more minutes? Anybody want to give me two more minutes? Come on, let me see your hands. Come on, put them up. That's a good three hours worth of two minutes right there. Yes. That was the auctioneer in me. Listen. 1 Thessalonians continually tells us that God has not appointed us unto wrath. We have not been appointed unto wrath tonight. In fact, it goes on to tell us that we need to encourage one another with the words that Jesus is coming soon. How encouraging is it to you that I'm about to tell you that you are going to be burned out, your family's going to be killed, your sons and your daughters are going to have swords and knives put across their neck unless you confess the Antichrist as God? Does that encourage you? Absolutely not. So it's bogus to think we're going to be here through the tribulation. You hear me tonight? I'm going to even go on just a little bit further. Second Thessalonians, let me show you what, how's, it, how's the rapture going to happen What's, what's all going to go on How do we know the rapture is coming Honey, if you enjoy uh, when to come out It'll make me go a little quicker and talk, stop sooner So listen, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says this concerning the coming of the lord in verse one concerning the coming of the lord jesus christ and our being gathered to him we ask you brothers and sisters not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter asserting that the day of the lord has already come see even at those days people thought that that jesus that we were going to have to be here through the tribulation paul says don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come watch until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed this is talking about the antichrist the man doomed to destruction he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God that's called the abomination of desolation don't you remember that when I was with you I used to tell you these things and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time watch for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work the spirit of the antichrist is already loose on this world right now has been for hundreds of years, thousands of years but the one who now holds him back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way what is this talking about? Who is hold, who is holding back the person, the spirit of lawlessness, the man uh, uh, the, called the antichrist that will that will bring judgment upon the world and set himself up as God? Who is holding him back? Well, listen to me. Jesus, when he looked at his disciples after his crucifixion and resurrection from the grave, and just before his ascension into heaven, he looked at his disciples and said, "I will send you a mighty comforter that will be with you until the very end of the age, that will guide you into all truth." And he will will never leave you he will never turn his back on you you will never be alone again he's talking about the power of the holy spirit and it is the power of the holy spirit of god that is holding back the spirit of lawlessness on this world right now how many of you know that we are temples of the holy spirit and if the holy spirit is going to be taken out of this world his temples are going with him There was a sudden removal of the righteous remnant in the days of Noah and Lot. There was perversion of all that was going on around them. Immorality and theologies and all that was going on. Men were being given to men. Women were given, being given to women. Isn't it, isn't it just it's not by accident that right now that same lifestyle is trying to take a promise of God. A symbol of the promise of God. The mighty rainbow of the faithfulness of God himself and trying to pervert it into some horrible uh, immoral, uh, Im- immoral lifestyle. Listen to me. I love the homosexuals. I love gay people i love lesbians just as much as i love you that gossip because sin is sin is sin but jesus came to this world and shed his perfect blood that we don't have to live under the consequences and be slaves to that sin anymore but that we can be set free and be part of this righteous remnant Then, when jesus comes to remove the power of the holy spirit from this world that we will go with him We're going home. This is not my home. This is what is referred to as the rapture you'll never see the word rapture read throughout scripture, uh, but it's talked about as the the being caught up together, that rapture, that caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's the rapture, that those who are dead in Christ uh, will rise first, and those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and then we get to go. Come on, what do we always do with a bunch of Christians when we get to get together? Come on, somebody. We have a big potluck dinner. We sit back and enjoy the favor and the bounty of God. That's what we're going to do. called the marriage supper of the lamb and we get to enjoy being married to to, listen to me to the groom himself jesus christ for all of eternity and as all that's going on listen to me here's how it all happens i've got to tell you this i've got to tell you this i know we're over i gotta tell you this this is shocking how this is set up right now they said what's going to trigger the rapture How do we know we're getting out of it? How do we know this is going to happen? How how is this man of lawlessness going to come onto the scene? That this great rebellion is about to happen. Well, listen, there's a war called the War of Gog and Magog that will happen. And you could read about it in Ezekiel Ezekiel chapter 38. This is different from the war, uh, the the great war of the Battle of Armageddon that, that happens in the Valley of Megiddo. This is a different war. This is called the War of Gog and Magog. And as you begin to study, it begins to talk about... I'm just going to read it. Can I read it to you? Are you all right with me so far? Are you all following me so far? The word of the Lord in Ezekiel 38 says, The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks on your jaws and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will all be with them, and all the shields and helmets, also Gomer with all its troops, and Beth Togomar, far from the north with all its troops, and the many nations with you. This is referring to the battle of Gog and Magog. Now, you say, what does that have to do? Anything with the rapture of of the church of Jesus Christ? How are we getting out of here? How is that all happening? Well, listen to me. This battle of Gog magog it's just this isn't some name from like harry potter or you know know, out of the shire or anything like that uh to me. these these names are actually names of the ancient lands uh, of the time particularly around asia and asia minor and gog and magog and meshik in particular refer to the what is now known as the country and the nation of russia Mishik is often uh, described around the same city as what Moscow is right now. Gog and Magog around the same areas of Russia right now. Even so much so it talks about Tubal, which is is the same as Turkey. Persia, which by the way, is the Islamic State of Iran. They just changed their name a few decades ago from my Persia to the Islamic State of Iran. There's so many different... uh, It's amazing how how this scripture so accurately describes the geopolitical structure of our world right now even Russia going into Crimea and Ukraine and taking part of that back it all fits this is crazy I mean this is nuts thousands of years ago this was written and it's describing exactly what's happening right now the Bible here says that Gog and Magog they basically they will not want to go to war against Israel here's how I know this and verse four, it says, "I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, and fully armed." It says he will put a hook in their jaw and drag them into battle with Israel. Russia does not want to go to war with Israel. Nobody does. And. Can I just be honest with you right now? Vladimir Putin is much of a criminal and horrible person that everybody tries to paint him as. and You know, he probably isn't exactly the best guy in the world, but I got news for you. He is a very keen and sharp leader. And he knows to go to battle with Israel is going to be the end of this world. He doesn't want to do it. But he has strong political interests in all the Islamic countries that are listed right here in Ezekiel chapter 38. His money and his resources are so tied up in Iran right now, it's undeniable. Here's what's going to happen, and I believe this. Because of the most ridiculous and idiotic peace agreement that we, or nuclear agreement that we signed with Iran, this nation of Israel is braver than anybody we, uh, in this country could ever want to be. And they are going to go and have a preemptive strike against the nation of Iran. And they're going to try and strike and take out all the nuclear facilities that are going to build bombs and try and kill the people in Israel and that's going to be the hook in the jaw Russia's hand will be forced and all of these alliances will come together and they'll be drugged into battle against Israel but the Bible goes on to say in Ezekiel chapter 38 in essence that when those, when those armies battle together, listen to me, this is, if you don't believe me so much so that this is talking about Russia look it talks about your horses, your horsemen fully armed, there's only one army in the world that trains as hard as Russia does with horsemen and horsemen and people that, that, that are horses that are armored and, and the people riding them of swords no other army in the world trains harder and has more horsemen than the nation of Russia when they march against israel and this alliance and all these islamic states march against israel the bible says israel will not have to fire one bullet but god himself will strike these armies down and when this happens listen to me there will be a great rebellion because people will have all kinds of questions and wonder want to know what's going to happen and how it's all going to go together and guess what we're not going to be here to give them the answers and everybody's going to be searching around, looking for something. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How is this all going to happen? We we, we just don't. Know. All the Christians are gone now. The Islam, all the Muslims are gone. We don't know what, what's supposed to happen now. And somebody's going to step up on the world stage and says, "Hey, listen, just everybody settle down. Let's just all get along here for a minute." And they're going to sign a peace agreement with the nation of Israel. Everybody in the world will. And Israel will one more time have full uh, uh, control over the Temple Mount in, in Jerusalem. And they will be able to rebuild their temple. And three and a half years into it, the temple will be finished and all done. And the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness that caused this peace agreement to happen, he will step forward into that temple and say, look what I've done. I've given you all the answers. I've brought all the peace. I'm God. You need to worship me. I have all the, I know what had to happen. I made it happen. I am God and worship me. And for the next three and a half years after that is the great tribulation where nobody will be able to buy or sell or trade unless they take his mark. They will have to worship him. If they don't worship him, they will be killed. There will be a lot of other things going on that's going to happen in the Bible, but basically what happens is this. After the first three and a half years and then the second three and a half years come That's seven together. That's the total tribulation. Listen to me, we're coming back. We're going to be done eating. Everybody's going to be over with. We all would have taken our laps. Uh, you know, we all would have watched the Lions and the Packers play. You know, it, it, all, it all would have been done and over with. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, but it'll all be done and over with. And Jesus, listen to me, he'll get ready and he'll stretch out his long, lean Galilean leg over that white horse. And up his thigh will be inscribed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he'll saddle up and he'll look back. Oh, don't listen, he gets better. He'll saddle up on his horse and he'll tell the rest of us to come on with him. And we'll go riding down, riding right down into earth right back into that valley of Megiddo and all the armies of the earth will march against the people of Israel and Jesus will come as we watch and the Bible says that he will speak as fire in his eyes. He's got a sword in his hand and as he speaks his word it'll be like a double-edged sword that shoots out of his mouth and it'll slay every person of the armies of the world. The Bible says the blood will be as high as the bridle of a horse and that the birds of the air will feast on the flesh flesh of the armies of the world right now in the valley of Megiddo the raptor species of birds that eat dead meat are multiplying at a rate faster than ever in history right now the world is preparing itself for the return of Jesus the question is are we the table has been set it's all there this is not a joke We need to shake ourselves out of our complacency. All the backbiting and the bickering, and listen, I love you folks, this is a great atmosphere, I love, but I would happen to believe that maybe we're not just perfect yet, come on. And there's things we need to do better. There's relationships that we need to get rid of. We need to focus on, get rid of all the things that don't matter anymore. And let's focus. Let's make sure we're doing everything we possibly can to get as many people in that arc of safety that we can fit. Come on. You say, well, uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? How, how does all that work? Well, listen. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go there unwarned or unprayed for. If you knew Jesus was coming back tonight, what would you be doing differently right now? I think we would have worshipped just a little differently. I think we would have paid attention a little bit better. I think I would have preached just a little bit harder. Do you hear me tonight? One of my role models, you know, particularly as an evangelist, is, is Dr. Billy Graham. In an interview several years ago, some reporter thought they would try and give him a gotcha question, you know. Old southern boy Billy Graham is a pretty sharp fella. He said, sir, do you believe Jesus is coming soon? Yes, I do. Well, if you knew exactly when he was coming, how would you be living differently right now? He said, sir, I hope I wouldn't be doing anything differently. Do you hear me? Are you living like this is it? This is powerful. To give us perspective that all of a sudden the things of this world don't matter. I would surmise that our present suffering does not come close to the eternal glory of God. We get to enjoy with Him forever and forever and forever. I pastored a church in Pittsburgh. I was on staff at a church in Pittsburgh. This little uh, 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 poverty stricken area up Route 28 off in the north shore of the Allegheny River called Sharpsburg. And uh, I was there, and, and uh, one of the, we, we would do these outreaches. We did like this back-to-school thing, you know. Like, you know, I, I know you guys have done the same kind of thing here before. You know, you set up these inflatables, or you, you bring in a band, and you do this, and you present the gospel, and then you invite them to church the next day, or you have something there that night or whatever. So we did that, and this one particular family came. And uh, they came to church the next day and they were all sitting in the back kind of on this side over here. And they had chairs. Kind of, that's kind of crazy. And they were, chairs almost looked just like this. And, and they were sitting out over there on this side in this 100-year-old cathedral that was, our, that was our church that we kind of remodeled to, to make it work. And it was, they were all sitting over there, this family mom and dad, brother, uh, sister, and a little brother. And they're all sitting there. And I'm preaching about the coming of Jesus. Never, they, they'd never been in church any in their life. And I'm sitting there spitting and I mean, come on, you know how I preach, right? I mean, I've calmed down in my old age. You should see what I did then. And I remember looking back, we had Bibles in the pews, you know they had Bibles in the pews, and I remember them reaching down, and every time I'd say something, they'd go back in here and make <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I was watching it the whole time I was preaching. Man, when I gave the altar call, they got to get up to the front as fast. You know, he, they They ran you hear me? And right now, each and every one of them are in full-time ministry working. Uh, listen, I'm not telling you that they're vocational ministry. I'm telling you everything they do is centered around ministry. Whether it's cleaning a the toilet, they clean the toilet for the glory of God. Do you hear me tonight? If it's greeting somebody, they make sure they greet them uh, like the choice guests that they are, hoping that they will change from hell and move towards heaven. Do you hear me tonight? They, they, they do everything they do. This family isn't... They have nothing financially, but they have everything spiritually. They're richer than any of us tonight. Do you hear me tonight? I don't know what our mind is or mentality is here tonight, but I hope in the name of Jesus that an urgency would come over us, that we would come to realize that we are living in the season of the return of the Son of Man. It's time for us to lift up our heads, because our, what do you think it means for us to arise? I don't know about you, but you can't arise with your head in the carpet. Come on now. It's time for us to lift up our head. Our redemption is drawing nigh. It may have been unintentional, but I guess what? When the rapture happens, we're not going down. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Come on, would you stand to your feet with me tonight? I preach way too long. and I'm sorry about that. But man, I, I pray you've heard the Word of God tonight. And here's what I'd like to do tonight. Before, before we're going we're to gather together for a closing prayer, tomorrow night, listen, this is... I'm excited for tomorrow night. I, I mean, I'm excited for tomorrow night. If Jesus doesn't come back before tomorrow night... I'm telling you something right now if you thought last night was good you hadn't seen nothing yet you haven't seen that's like Green County English you ain't seen nothing yet just be glad I have all my teeth if you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus as your Savior everybody in the room I want to ask you this question right now are you ready? Are you ready? If you're not, this is your moment. If you're not 100% confident right now, you better be 100% confident because there is no middle ground. You're not going to be able just to kind of get yourself off, off the ground. It's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. You're not going to have a moment to make a last second decision. There's, listen, there, there is no procrastination in God. It's now or never. Today, right now, is the day of salvation. If you're in the room and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, but right now you do say, you know what? I need to make that decision. I need to make that decision. And the scope of the reality of what we're talking about and the gravity of what is about to happen and coming upon this earth, I need to know I'm ready to go. If that's you tonight, again, I am not asking how often you come to church. I'm not asking what your title is. You could have every key to every closet of every building of this property and still be on your way to hell by midnight. What I'm asking you, are you ready? If the answer is no or I'm not sure, this is your moment right now. When I say three, you lift your hand as high as you can. And the grace of God is going to overwhelm your soul. You are going to be free to live in the plans that God has for you. By the way, his ways are always better than ours. This is your moment right now. If that's you, when I say three, lift it high. This is for you. One, two, come on, you know who you are. Do it right now. Three, come on, is there anybody? That's it, that's it. Come on, is there anybody else? We'll We'll wait another moment. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.